Yo, what's good? You reached the voicemail Taryn. Can't answer the phone right now. About to record this episode with Brick City Buddha, aka Dots Diggler. And in life, sometimes you get knocked down on your ass, but you got the choice of either staying down or getting back up. And today, that's exactly what we're talking about, overcoming obstacles and utilizing spirituality and meditation to get you to that point. Also, we touched in on masculine and feminine energy because there's a lot of misconceptions about what it actually is. And lastly, we're getting into combating child sexual abuse. It's running rampant in the black community, and it's time to stop this. Bring your phone! Come on! It's your boy, DMX. Damn, man, you ain't have to hit me and all that. And I'm here, taking over for the miseducation of the people. Beats by Pete Samples. You welcome to another episode of the Miseducation of the People. Thank you for tuning in for the first time. Thank you for returning if you are a repeat listener. Shout out to Amanda. Thank you for last week's episode. Thank you for being our first official guest. Excited to see what you and the Brown and Black Girls Read 2 book club does in the future. You know, so make sure y'all go check her out. Last episode, MOTP 102, Big Ego. Her information is in the show notes. So make sure you go check her out and support her. I forgot to shout out Pete Samples. Um, He's the one that made the beat for the intro and also some of the other stuff we do too. So uh, definitely make sure y'all check him out. Pete Samples Music 732. I hope I said that right, but I'm gonna put it in the show notes. Also, shout out to all the people who have listened so far and let me know their feedback. Definitely appreciate it, you know. Um, we getting acclimated. Definitely one thing I had to learn was to move back from the mic. Uh, I got a microphone that's popping, and it's been catching all the mouth noise, you know what I mean? And ain't, ain't no pause there either because I'm a grown-ass man, and I'm very secure in my sexuality, so it's not needed. But, yeah, <laughs> got to move back from the mic a little bit, you know what I mean? But, yeah, it's definitely a learning curve, you know. It's cool. It's whatever, you know. And also, you know, one thing, you got to shout out these last group of people, you know, because a select few people was raised on the cocoa butter lotion. You know, so I want to shout out to y'all. You know, we, we in a few in there, gang, gang, you know, soft skin and all that. But if you're using Queen Helen, I want better for you. <laughs> I know your grandma swore by it. I know my grandmother did too, but that's nothing but a water smoothie. You'd be ashy in, in exactly 19.06 seconds. Shout out to the bros. Make sure y'all are... Checking out our socials, shout out to Lynn. Definitely stepped up our social media presence, especially when it comes to the educational stuff. Uh, you know, we out here trying to make a difference and, you know, go ahead, retweet that thing, put a comment on it, because at the end of the day, these numbers do matter, especially if you have not rated us on Apple. Um, it's crucial. When you rate and review our stuff, it helps new listeners discover what we're doing here at the Miseducation of the People. Uh, these numbers do matter, and especially like when you're trying to do something bigger where companies are going to see that data. So numbers are quantitative data. That's hard numbers showing that we had the proof of what we're doing, a.k.a. proof of concept. Shout out to Joe Buttons for putting me onto that word. But uh, we're, we're doing something special over here. You know, um, we're building an empire and I have the opportunity to put a lot of people on. So please make sure that you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, sharing our content, the podcast, our videos on YouTube, our posts on social media, uh, because it helps. And that is a non-monetary way to support us. It is low stress and it only takes you about two minutes. Y'all be on Instagram scrolling. Y'all be jumping in DMs, having conversations 
dudes, y'all probably be getting curved by these ticks in the DMs and y'all would still be trying it for like two days. I mean, so just take two minutes real quick. I mean, rate, review, subscribe, help your boy out. And we are growing the team. You know, we got some goals going. Uh, we are scaling. We, we got some stuff we're going. Uh, we are making a change in this world. So please be sure to pass the word to any recent graduate or college student that we have a strategic communications intern position available. So pretty much this person will be doing uh, emails, managing our email list, uh, also helping out with copywriting captions and other fun stuff that we have going on. Um, right now it's a two person show. We're going to make it three. I think that's going to help me out really with scaling everything. And, you know, just working strategically. Everything is chess. You can't just go full speed. And that's what we're doing. So, you know, shout out to the team. And, uh, you know, one thing I've been talking about a lot is the struggles to get here, my downs and all that stuff. But sometimes, you know, you got to be humble. But every once in a while, you got to let these motherfuckers know. Shout out to Big Boy. Um, so recently, we have been receiving some recognition for our work when it comes to mental health advocacy. So I want to shout out these amazing, amazing, amazing organizations that we are in partnership with. So first off, shout out to NAMI, New Jersey, my Act Now family. I do presentations called In Our Own Voice. And with that, I share my story to help others who are going through their own respective battle with mental health conditions. Uh, yeah, and I received an award for that. So one or two people um, just been out here killing it. We do do free presentations. That's right, free. If you are in the state of New Jersey, then please, please, please contact me at info at realtalksessionseries.org and we can set up a presentation for you. Like I said, it is completely free. We do everything via Zoom. So if, whether it's your church, it's your jobs, wherever, you know, I want to get more into black communities. Uh, I've presented to over 500 people and believe it or not, I probably only probably presented to maybe about 20 black people total. So we need to change that. So, you know, tell all your people, tell your church family, um, get me out here. I want to present to y'all. Um, and I'm gonna make sure that, you know, we're breaking the stigma. Uh, secondly, shout out to a beautiful mind foundation down in Maryland, uh, they gave us a grant for a new camera. Um, so you're going to see our production quality, you know, stepping up quite a bit, you know. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, they're an amazing organization, a mental health organization that is supporting organizations all across the country who are providing services to community colors with culturally competent mental health resources. And I know I keep saying organizations all over and whatever, you know, uh, my mind's in the jumble, but it's whatever. Uh, but yeah, shout out to them. Um, and I'm excited to see what is in store. Also head over to NAMI.org. It's a national organization. Um, your boy, <laughs> AKA Taryn. Um, my story actually was featured on their website um, and how I'm taking my tragedy, my low point and using that as a avenue to help my people, the black communities all across the country and all that stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in the show notes. But uh, yeah, man, long time coming. For a while, I never really thought that my efforts would come to fruition. Never thought that this business would actually start monetizing. Your boy's bank account was going down, definitely, um, with funding everything. But now, you know, getting the business, getting the business sense of everything and truly understanding what it means to be an entrepreneur and in turn, helping out my community also. That's what we're doing right now. So 
you know, keep supporting, stay tuned, and you know, we, we got a lot of good stuff for you. You know, we we taking it slow, cause you know we we not we're not speeding right now. We doing everything right. But we're about to get into today's episode. Shout out to one of my big bros, Docs Diggler. Definitely a uh, informative and knowledgeable individual. So uh, let's go. Aye, yo. What's good, Docs? Man, how you been? Uh, definitely been looking forward to this episode. How you doing today? Likewise. Peace, my brother. Woke up to see another yes, day. Yes. Breathing life, breathing breath in my nostrils. So even though trials and tribulations come and go, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I feel you. I feel you. And like when I was doing everything with the Real Talk session series, uh, you definitely were one of the individuals I had instantly in my mind. Um, so I, just to give a little background to the people. Uh, so I, I met Docs at Above Arts. Shout out to the brothers over there, Tox, mm-hmm. Bars, and Will. Um, so Above Arts, they have a uh, men's group, support group, and also networking event called Messages for Men that was done on the first Saturday month. We got to get that popping again, by the yeah, way. Uh, absolutely. You know, especially with the quarantine. Absolutely. But with that, um, I, I met the fellas at a very early stage in my recovery when it came to me coming out of suicidal ideation and depression and all that stuff. And for me, I realized that me leaving my environment and getting around like-minded men and people who have been through what I've been through and now are striving, I mean, thriving instead of just trying to survive, you know, that really helped me out. And one of the biggest things that y'all taught me was to stop saying try and say I am. And I mean, so salute to y'all definitely. So how did you get to that point? So what's the story of Docs? And I mean, let us know what's going on with you, man. Well, I mean, took a lot of twists and turns. I never thought I would end up being this quote unquote type of person. Yeah. Um, but grew up in the church, um, heavy church background and not like I was into what was being said at church. I just had to go to church. I mean, yeah. from East Orange, North New Jersey. And at that time, everybody had to go to church, even the little badass kids from the neighborhood and all of that. Everybody went to church. Gotcha. Um, so initially it was just a place to like kind of form my, my little community of friends um, from different backgrounds. And I, I kind of grew up on a on the cusp like I was right in the hood but not fully in the hood but five blocks away from fully in the hood as well as five blocks away from the suburbs so I I like was brought into this physical reality in like a a a bridge type of state um and then my parents you know they both worked both uh not Cosby show affluent but they did well for where we lived at you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. um so it was a lot of different parameters happening I was picking up energy from the hood picking up energy from two a two-parent household, picking up energy from suburbs five blocks away, hub five, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was yeah. just a lot of things I was downloading at that time. Got you. And around 17, 18 years old, after having to go to church for all this time, my sister, who was kind of like a wild child, she mm-hmm. all of a sudden started taking church seriously. She, fi- she found some new, like, youthful church. And to see her do that, knowing, like, the type of person she was at that point in her life, I needed to just see what this is about. If something could get her right, <laughs> yeah, I needed to see what that was. So I wound up going to the church just out of investigation. And just for curiosity, and, um, are you the, the oldest or youngest or where you fall in line at? Yeah, I'm the youngest. I got an older sister. I got an older uh, half-brother and an older half-sister. Yeah, that's a different dynamic. Now, man, yeah, I understand. Papa was a Rolling Stone before he was a family man. So, that for you. Um, But yeah, so I went to the church and I had never experienced like that level of like youthful exuberance and excitement. The praise and worship was lit. Mm. Um, So, I understood in that moment what kind of like gravitated her towards it. And that caused me to start caring about all these things that have been going in one ear out the other at church, having to be there 
and yeah. I, I was actually interested in it. You know what I'm saying? So that was like my foundation of spirituality. I eventually like moved away from that. And I was a minister in training during that time. I was in oh, that so. church for a good two, three years. And I started to like literally preach and like really get, get into breaking down the word. Uh-huh. And in doing so, I started to realize at least how I was taught. I didn't agree with a lot of it. And that kind of took me down the path of just having to honor my own truth and getting to the point where it's like, you know what? I, I don't believe this. Yeah. I mean, and I watched a lot of people, even my own family, separate themselves from me as a result of me like being a black sheep and no longer believing what they believe. That mm. taught me a lot about humanity and my journey kind of took a lot of turns from there. Being in the streets, being a working person, being an artist, um, and eventually landed me in a place where I was able to um, not only learn meditation, be, but able to teach it for other people. Yeah. And I had a similar background too, with, uh, coming from the two-parent home, a couple blocks away, you know, you got the other element over there. Yeah. Uh, my family came from working class, you know, so we were always about work hard, work hard, go hard, you know. Right. Um, being raised in the church. My family actually has a church. My great grandmother, she started that out in Manasquan, Shallow Baptist Church and all that stuff. So we was raised there, but similar to you, you know, I got an idea of the church, but for me, it was like, I never really felt comfortable with it. And right. as a, a child, I'm like, okay, this is a forced task. However, right. you know, going through my trials and tribulations, I see that the church is within me. And right. necessarily for me, you know, I had to really go within. So I ain't going to get into the topic of religion right now because that's not the, the conversation right now. Really. <laughs> yeah. So what made you truly get into meditation and everything you're doing right now? Because that's definitely um, I noticed with my experience that oftentimes spirituality and talking about the stuff that you talk about is often shamed by people who are within religion. And it's from a point of view that they're uninformed about it. And it's not, it's not on the demonic stuff, but they just don't know. So how did you get to the point of where you are right now? I mean, it's interesting because Jesus actually talks about meditation almost as much as he mentions prayer in the New Testament. Um, Hmm. There's a a dope documentary people could check out called Jesus Was a Buddhist Monk by the BBC channel. Um, And they just get into some of his own. his trips to the Himalayas, studying under other yogi stuff that wasn't included in the New Testament and the Gospels. But yeah, I mean, uh, what, what I quote unquote practice, uh, for lack of a better term, is not like a modality or religion. You can be, you can have any belief system. And that's why we invite all different walks of life to our events, um, no matter what you believe. And you can still practice being with yourself. And when I say yourself, not just the mind and the body, but mm. those layers that we don't normally pay attention to. And like I said, I didn't think I would be here. The only thing that got me here was what pushes all of us to the next level, which is pain. Pain is our greatest guide. That's our greatest guru. So I was at my personal version of maybe my seventh or eighth rock bottom. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just kept hitting rock bottom, kept having to pick myself up and dust myself off. And the last time, you know, like you were talking about with the suicidal tendencies, um, I was on a version of my second attempt Mm. when a brother I was in a, a music group with maybe 10 years prior we had reconnected on social media. He reached out um, and we had a long talk. And I told him, I'm like, bro, I'm ready to check out. Like, I don't believe in God no more. I can't even bring myself to pray. Like, I, there's nothing else I could do with this life. Yeah. And he offered me a five-week online course. And he said, yo, you, you feel like checking out after this course? Do what you do. But at least take this and see what happens. And five weeks of an online one-hour course changed my whole perspective of mm. the world, which in turn started to incrementally change my trajectory in the world. And, you know, yeah. three, not three, probably about five, six years later. Now we're here. Okay. 
Yeah, and I, I believe in the, the whole divine timing and the ancestors going to step in when they need to step in. And I, I see that as one of those instances, you know, because prior to that, did you have that level ex- of exposure to what that gentleman brought to you before? Not, a, I, ain't, I didn't know anything about meditation. Bro. I didn't <laughs> know nothing about nobody. She, nobody. I, I like yeah. I always say, I would the version that, of myself that I am now, the one at that point would have laughed at this guy. Like, bro, you vegan? You do meditation? <laughs> <laughs> so I knew nothing Facts. about any of this, bro. Yeah, and, and that's the crazy thing too. Like with this show, it's a non-traditional educational tool, and my purpose is to expose people to different things they haven't been exposed to, and especially like with your story and everything, and just hearing about it. That's something that really inspired me because, especially with the power of meditation and spirit, like Jay Z said it best: "This spiritual shit really works." Now, I mean, right. Right. so for me, I can I look at you know you coming into your purpose through your pain as you know, a, kind of like a rites of passage, similar to like what I did. Um, and one thing that I really got into is really getting in touch and in tune with my ancestors. Right. You know, one thing like in the black community, we got our funerals, we do the repasts, we do the right. wakes, we have our own form of ceremony. And once we actually put them into the ground, we kind of put the ancestors aside like they don't exist. But however, they're at a new level where they're able to do certain things that we're not able to do in the physical realm. So, you know, just really paying honor to them has really helped me advance myself in different ways, really. So yeah. what was the, I guess, the aha moment? Like, what, what what was the biggest thing you had to unlearn from your past that you found that was holding you back from being the higher, more elevated and successful person that you are today? Like, what's the m- main thing you had to unlearn? Um, attachment. Mm. And that attachment covers everything because I ain't even gonna lie, you just hit me right there. We, we, we gonna talk <laughs> later on this, in this thing. Nah, man, you just hit me. Nah, it's, it's real because like we so programmed to identify with attachment, and we think low key it's the highest level of love. It's actually loyalty to be attached to a person, place, or thing, and it's actually suffocating energetically, and not only the person, place, or thing, but yourself. So when mm. I when I was still enough, when I was patient enough to like really start to analyze myself, because that's a big misnomer about meditation that is just about yeah. blissed out it's actually about practical application to your life and you becoming still enough to actually start to witness it instead of just being inundated by your thoughts and i started mm. to see how much stuff i was attached to how many expectations of myself other what i call opp other people's perceptions i was attached to um nice. rules and terms and labels i was attached to relationships and i started to realize that these attachments created programs that was low-key guiding the ship it wasn't even my conscious mm-hmm. decision making it was about staying comfortable inside these boxes so when i started mm-hmm. to like rid myself of the attachments which is a very painstaking process i'm not going to sugarcoat it but once mm-hmm. i really started to get deep into that process i started to realize how much more liberated and free and spacious i felt my awareness um felt and how 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 much less work it took for me to realize I don't got to fit myself into these boxes no more. And um, that detachment is actually the highest level of love to be able to appreciate and love something in a genuine state of sin. You walk past a flower in the garden and as beautiful it is, as much as you want to pick it, you just yeah. let it stay how it is. You know what I'm saying? So I started mm-hmm. to do that with the people, places, and things in my life, as well as even myself, even this body, I got to give back. Even these experiences, mm-hmm. we have to give back. So I'm no, no longer even attached to what people refer to as Brick City Buddha or Docs. I just let the moment be whatever it is, exist fully in that to the best of my ability. And when it's gone, it's gone. I mean, and that really became the roadmap. It became the blueprint 
for understanding moment to moment how to build what looks like an empire now to other people. But to me, it's mm. just it's just been one moment at a time of remaining detached. Yeah, detachment, son. Like twenty twenty is the year of detachment, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. And for me, I was just going with the flow, not being really aware. You know, I've been practicing um, emotional intelligence and really working on self awareness and all that stuff, and working on the shadow parts of me. But I, I haven't talked to you in a minute, but right. I'm no longer right. engaged. So okay. there was a lot of stuff that was going on. Right. And especially with me, I saw like the whole attachment piece and codependency just stemmed from a lot of stuff from childhood. Right. So with that, it was like the loyalty piece that you just said, like right. that shit hit me. Cause I'm like, yes, you can be with a person, but at the same time, you got to work on the issues that are holding you back from progressing in a relationship or even holding you back as a human being. So I know for me, it was one of those things of me always feeling like I always have to be with somebody. But right now the universe is telling me that I need to be working on my financial situation. Right. I mean, so, cause that's what damaged my relationship. And I saw that there's a pattern within that in the past too. Right. So detachment is definitely tough because we are raised, especially in the black community to look out for others and to give selflessly, but we don't realize that you have a limited amount of resources within your cup and you cannot pour from your cup if you're constantly giving, giving. You have to give it time to replenish. Right. So giving that detachment piece and spending time with yourself is something that's very important. And especially when it comes to men, we don't really realize that piece of staying by yourself. And one thing that I've been looking at really is more so actually learning about energy, masculine right. and feminine energy, right? right? So with men in the black community, all that, and just in general in the, in the community of the black community, we have this perception that masculine energy is something that is not, and feminine energy is something that is not. So a lot of times, you know, we got the fellas out there spending time with their boys. They don't really realize that they're actually exuding feminine energy because that's that intimacy of being with your people. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to defer to the expert, which is you right here. Not me. So can you really break down what it means for feminine energy and masculine energy so that people can get an understanding of it? Yeah, and it's interesting that you said this is kind of the year of detachment, which I definitely see it is. I've had more um, couples counseling sessions than ever before. I always did well, but it's like since COVID happened, everything has skyrocketed. A lot of people are mm -hmm. relationships are disintegrating right now. Um, and it's interesting that all of this is happening in the midst of the entanglement <laughs> fiasco, Bam. which yeah. is the other side of the coin of detachment. You know what I'm saying? So we mm -hmm. are really breaking out of that um, entanglement. But I mean, even what you said with us chilling with our boys, it's not just feminine energy. Like, uh, like yeah. I was talking about in a live that's is becoming very popular right now. I did a live on Instagram the other day that's still being shared. It's probably been shared about 200 times already. Um, mm. getting so many different messages about uh, my stance that women aren't really built for monogamy, um, not mm. meaning that they can't do it, that they can't, you know, fit themselves into it or even appreciate it. It's just about the essence of uh, masculine and feminine energy. And masculine energy is projective. All mm. it wants to do is emit, right? Structure energy to be able to shoot it out and emit it, whether that's working mm. out, whether that's building the business, getting money, whatever it may be. So even mm -hmm. when we with our boys, whatever it is we may be doing, it's another opportunity to project, to honor our essence, which is to put yeah. out energy and information. Feminine energy is to receive, to receive that energy, to mm -hmm. receive that information, to receive those downloads. 
So what's happening a lot of times in, in these relationships is that men kind of get caught up in thinking, all right, well, there should be a certain point where my projections have been touted as, okay, I'm satisfied. And a lot of times mm. we don't get that satisfaction from our women, no matter how much energy we dump in, because at their essence, they are just supposed to continue to consistently continue to keep receiving. We're supposed to continuously mm. keep projecting, maybe not to that specific woman, just in general, yeah. just in life. And I think these roles of you know monogamy and husband and wife, and I was just having a conversation with somebody earlier. She was talking about the etymology of husband, which means to be bound to the household. These are cages mm. that we're volunteering to sign up for because it's what's normal, it's what's been passed down to us, and we haven't even investigated where these programs even came from. But when you understand mm. the essence of energy, you see how adverse to the actual essence of these energies that these programs actually are. And this is why so many people are freeing themselves from it. It may be a painful process, uncomfortable. It's a lot of breakups. Painful and comfortable as hell, <laughs> bro. But I think it's a necessary part of where humanity is going as a whole to return to source, to return to self. Yeah. Now, when it came to really tapping into yourself, what do you think was the biggest thing that you had to work on? I know for me, emotional intelligence was very big because uh, just seeing how my childhood trauma really affected me, I didn't see how my behaviors were influenced by that. And I didn't realize that my actions were affecting other people in a negative way, um, especially like when it came to women, because when it came to college, I discovered liquor and women as vices to really distract myself from everything I was going through. Right. And with that, I didn't have self-awareness. I had no concept of emotional intelligence. And I think that that's something that men deal with a lot. And that's a theme that I'm seeing also when interacting with men. So what was the one thing that you had to work on to really get to the point where you are today? So there's something in yoga called the four gunas that I often talk about. Gunas is like a term for strength. Can you spot that for me? Because I definitely want to make sure that yeah, uh, people so can look that up. Guna is G-U-N-A. Or G-U-N-A-S. Gunas. So they can look okay. up the four gunas, um, the four streams of where most of our thoughts are flooding to, which is food, sex, entertainment, and self-preservation. Yeah. So with that, one of the main things I started to realize, the more patient and still I became with myself, the more I was able to clearly see myself, my behaviors, my patterns, I started to mm. realize how aloof my time expenditure was. It was just based on the women. Even though I would be planning things, I was an artist, you know, I did... Uh, at one point, I was an event planner. Like, I was always in some form of business, but outside of business, I wouldn't plan my days energetically. I wouldn't plan my life. There's also something in the yeah. Taoist tradition, Tao, T-A-O, called the 100-point system, where they start to dig into the fact that you're allotted a certain amount of points based on how you eat, how you handle your emotions, how much you work out. Like, let's just say everybody has 100 points of energy. Already 50 is gone based on your job what you got to get done for the day, driving, walking, sitting, sitting, standing. Then you mm -hmm. have emotional expenditures. You have the foods you eat and that needing to be broken down. The energy that comes from your thoughts. So really understanding that I need to be more um, on top of how I spend my time and I need to give more effort to sitting with where my time is going. Because like you said, you, you're going to fill these voids of energy with something, whether it be liquor, women, weed, partying, whatever it is, you're mm -hmm. going to find a way to fill the holes of energy and those holes are going to be filled it is what it is so you, once you start to realize like all right if i'm a little more on top of where i give my time to like i don't have a tv i haven't owned a tv in like three or four years i started to realize a lot of my time yeah. going to somebody else 
uh, hacking my imagination, right? And once I retracted mm-hmm. that, I was able to start to imagine for myself and I realized life is my TV. And that stream started to be redirected to, I. Right, well, what do I want to create and see in my world? And they, I, I removed myself from watching other people do that for themselves. I did it for myself. Yeah. Redirecting the stream of having sex with random women, I started to realize that same energy in me busting a nut was the same energy I needed to heal my kidney, to heal my eye, to create a business, to stay focused. So it was mm-hmm. really about just redirecting my time and my streams of attention. And when I consolidated that into what was of the highest order for myself and serving God, then that started to direct me to where I needed to be who I needed to be around that. That's what revolutionized my world. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of uh, stuff we're influenced by the the Western world has definitely messed up the traditions that we had. You know, we can't really look back at what we were, where we came from, our ancestors and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm I'm glad you did that work. And the fact that you're actually um, talking about these different subjects and putting this out, especially like in the hoods, because that's where we really needed that the most Mm -hmm. um and one of the things that uh this past weekend that you had was this event piece at the park Mm -hmm. that that was something that i'd never experienced anything like that it it was definitely love so can you just let people know more about that event you know and then like what was your takeaway from that i mean yeah i mean so that event um i guess it's uh, at this point three years four years in the making when i first started Mm -hmm. what i didn't even know was a platform i just got the compulsion to start to teach people. And I didn't even want to do that. I didn't think I was ready. Didn't think I knew enough. And I mm-hmm. low-key didn't even want to be around people. I had got my piece that was good enough for me. But Spirit just kept pushing me to start pushing these messages out. Yeah. So this- I, I feel you on that, though, because I be getting that, that moment where I don't want to be around people, exactly. but the Spirit just pushed you. So exactly. I understand. Exactly. <laughs> so initially, Peace in the Park was just these free things I would do. I would drive, still on disability, not even much money, but would take my money and my time and drive 40 minutes away from Plainfield to Newark to Branchville Park and do these free sessions called Peace in the Park. And by the mm-hmm. end of the summer, that turned into like 50, 60 people community. And some of my sisters, always our women helping us see our potential. But they started yeah. to pull me to the side, like, look, I'm going to donate. And at a certain point, you got to start charging for this. So that mm-hmm. download eventually turned into what became Meditation Education, which is my company. And during quarantine, I came out of meditation we wasn't in our space no more, of course not. I started doing my live streams, which was doing well. But I came out of meditation, got in the shower, and got a download that I was supposed to reinvigorate, reinvent peace in the park, and now add in my team, my community, my tribe of other spiritual yeah. practitioners and make it a whole big thing. And initially, I felt like Noah building an art like, bro, that's a whole quarantine right now. You want me to get out here and create these in-person events? But, you know, when yeah. spirits speak, I just listen. I just build the art. So I put it out and immediately the response was people needed this. And I started to see the the merit and why Spirit wanted me to do this. So the first one, we had about 100 people come out, meditation, yoga, tribal drums, dance, mm. um, real talk. I mean, nature. Um, and that one, once we put out the footage, it like really started to bleed out beyond even our community. And people asked for us to keep doing it. So this last one we just did was Peace in the Park Part 3, at least this version of Peace in the Park. Um, we had about... Yeah. Uh, all, all together, because people come and go on their own accord, but all together we sold about 230 tickets. So we had about 230 people come in and out at different times. Um, yeah. And it's to the point where the seed is starting to be planted in other places of the country. There's one popping up in San Diego. There's one in South Jersey now. Mm-hmm. And are literally crediting us with, you know, the idea being sparked in their mind. So it's really just about yeah. pulling people together in a time where the government is telling us to stay apart. 
these are the times safely, but these are the times we need to come together and just spread and share energy, which will eventually lead to those tough conversations of how to build our own infrastructure, creating financial freedom, creating our own. We just got to come together first. So I'm just I'm excited to be at the forefront of that movement. Yeah. And I'll say publicly, I mean, because men don't really big up other men public like this, but I appreciate you. And thank you for putting that together. Real talk. because. I, I'd never really been outside in nature like that. Right. And like, that's something new, you know, that exposure right. piece. Right. And that next day I live by the beach. I was at the beach four o'clock in the morning, getting my meditation Dude. on and all that stuff. Too. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> the smallest thing, now I mean, you can, can really push someone towards yeah, it. Yeah. So, so, so one thing too, I want to get, get back to the, the spirituality stuff because people don't understand it's power. And uh, one thing that you shared about your story was how you healed by touch tapping into your spirituality. And I'm a big um, believer in our herbs, our plants. Those are medications that we need to heal ourselves. But can you talk about how you use your spirituality to get through your health complications and whatnot? Because you have a very inspiring story. And I think that people need to hear that. So if you're open and comfortable with sharing the story, please please do that. People need to hear these keys. Yeah. But how you said it is low key, like and you know, I do a technique with my with my clients um in counseling called follow the drip. So you said, um, mm-hmm. how did you use your spirituality to heal yourself? And when you follow the drip underneath that is something I discovered that a lot of us do, which is why our results are very slow, if at all, is that we are attached to an expected result. We want to use spirituality yeah. for an outcome. And initially, that's a necessary thing. Like, we need an impetus and a motivation. Like, people only come to me when they're breaking up, when money running out, when some, some type mm-hmm. of SHIT is hitting the fan. That's when they want to get their life right. And apropos, there's nothing wrong with that. But at a certain point, it's about going beyond a reason for coming to spirituality outside of just connecting with yourself. And initially, it was about healing myself. I wanted to live a normal life. I wanted to be able to see and live and exist. Um, But at a certain point, the more I used these techniques that people told me would work to help heal me, at a certain point, Mm -hmm. they went from chores or something I had to do for a result to things I started to appreciate to moments I started to love and which translated into even getting to the point where just doing it was enough, even if my kidney didn't heal. Even if I didn't yeah. get my vision back, I would have continued to do these things anyway because they were the gateways to falling in love with myself. And the minute I relinquished, mm-hmm. okay, I'm doing this to have this result for this reason, that's when everything started to recalibrate on its own. I remember uh, this this old movie with Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro from the 90s called The Fan. Um, people mm-hmm. may remember that Wesley Snipes was like the star baseball player. Robert De Niro was like this fanatic who was like kind of crazy and like ended up trying to kill him. But at a certain point before Wesley Snipes knew this, uh, he had went in a slump and um, he came out of it. So him and Robert De Niro's character had a conversation. De Niro asked him, he's like, yo, how did you come out the slump? And he's like, yo, to be honest, I just stopped caring. And at a certain point, I stopped caring about all these things I wanted to fix and all these things I wanted to become. I just really fell in love with the process of myself and God. And as soon as I did, those things fixed themselves. So that I think that's a big yeah. thing in not using spirituality, but just being, being with and becoming spirituality itself and just seeing what happens, not wanting anything back from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I got you definitely. It's one thing like I've been using too. Well, not necessarily using spirituality, but really, like you said, it kind of helped me get on the ramp 
to accelerating everything with myself and kind of just using like affirmations and it really helps you with believing it because if you constantly tell yourself that it's going to happen, this manifestation stuff really does work too. And for me, it's like, I got my mind right. I got the goal in mind. Now it's like put the action in place. So, you know, that's very important. You know, um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, did you get a chance to check out the uh, DMX versus battle last week? Yeah, I did. I did. Yep. Very, yeah, very that, 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 that was crazy. I picked I pick, I pick DMX anyway. Um, you know, so I, I, yeah. I think that's the East Coast bias, but at the same time, like, I nah, like I'm, I'm DMX, a, though, a, too. I'm a huge Snoop fan. I just I just understand, like, well, how Versus works. It's not necessarily just hits. It's the impact yeah. and the energy of the song within your hits. That's why J.D. gets mm-hmm. one. You know what I'm saying? Because it, yeah. and it's not saying that Fab's, you know, uh, quote-unquote chick records is not hot. But when it's up against the energy of what Jada, you know what I mean? You can't mess with the street stuff now, man. I knew DMX had more of that, even though Snoop probably has a longer catalog. So it wasn't even the East Coast bias. Like, I just just knew that's how I was going to pan out. But my bad, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, nah, you you good, you good. But definitely, when I think about this conversation, like, in general, when I saw that versus, I'm like, DMX was the perfect person of someone who had trials and tribulations but overcame them you know you're gonna fall but he got back up you know and i kind of look at it like there's a lot of people who have similar stories but they oftentimes find themselves uh staying a victim to them circumstances and whatnot you know they don't really put the work in you know so with that one thing that he mentioned that he never really talked about was about being sexually abused as a child and the impact that it had on him today And necessarily, there's a uh, a thought that, you know, when men have sex at a young age, you know, like, oh, they, they the man, they the shit. But then when a woman um, does the same thing, it's like she's a hoe or something like that. And one thing for me is like, that's very unfair. And at the same time, you have the impact of child abuse mm-hmm. right there with sexual abuse and whatnot. So... I'm I'm curious because I want to really want to try to solve this issue. So, what do you think is some of the steps? There's no right or wrong answer here, but like, what are some of your thoughts on how can we fix this mentality of child abuse, saying that it's acceptable for a 13 year old to be molested by a 26 year old or have sex with a 26 year old? So, like, how do you think we can change that narrative? Well, again, first we gotta be still enough to go to the level of energy. Um, mm. Like right now, as as we both talking. We are, our attention is directed into the words that we share and the listeners that may be listening. They just downloading yeah. these. We're not thinking about our bloodstream right now. We're not thinking about mm-hmm. our veins, our capillaries, our organs, the subtle energy, even underneath the physical uh, parts of the body. There's so many layers to the self that we just don't pay attention to. I always say, and like I said, that piece in the park, we end up living in our car. What I mean by your, our car is your vehicle of the mind-body phenomenon. We are so much more than that. Yeah. So med- meditation is about withdrawing your one of those gunas, that stream of attention, withdrawing that from the external mm-hmm. world and directing that inward. And then you start to be able to notice what we call subtle energy, chi, prana. And just by noticing that, you understand it's real, and then you start to live in that. And that energy teaches nice. you that the physical representation of maybe the outcome of somebody becoming hyper or hypo-sexual um, as a result mm. of being molested, it's really about the energy needing to be recalibrated. There, there's another book I would suggest. Um, see, this is uh, it's a book for women, but I think men could appreciate something about this chapter, especially if they've been sexually molested or abused. 
Um, Secret Wisdom of the Yoni Gates by Calarius Phoenix, S-K-E-L-A-R-I-U-S, Phoenix, F-I-N-E-X, Secret Wisdom of the Yoni Mm -hmm. Gates. And one of the chapters, she talks about the effects of sexual abuse and how it literally blows out the engine of the sacral chakra. Sacral chakra is what houses your emotions, your sexual desires, desires in general, your creative force. Mm -hmm. Um, It's near your uh, pelvis. So any type of sexual abuse, even at a, at a young age, it's almost like blowing out a car engine. So yeah. if a, for a certain piece of the car engine blows out, the car is going to have to over-rely on other pieces of itself, which is why women can become hyper-sexual and end up becoming mm-hmm. very promiscuous or shutting down altogether and not wanting to have sex, or if they do, it's not a comfortable experience. It's because of what happened at the energetic level that we're not paying attention to. So we may have a therapist, we may want to talk it out, um, which is definitely beneficial as well. But we got to start to go to the level of energy and understand how that's being matriculated through these processes. Yeah, definitely. And that's one thing too, like I want to really instill with the brothers because I still see it even within like groups that I'm I'm, I'm within, you know, like they still see as, you know, sexual conquest and all that stuff. Like, but they don't realize, you know, the impacts that it's really having. Right. So, you know, it's work that needs to be done, but we're going to get right. it there. So, uh, so we, we're going to lighten up a little right. bit. We gonna talk about some white people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, that was, that was, yeah, that was yeah. bars right there, literally. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So. Uh, so yeah. So we got this thing called the Karen Chronicles. So you know, tell us a time that you faced a cron- uh, Karen and how you got through it. Kurt too, or just Karens? <laughs> it could be Kurt, Chad's, Tanner's. Um, <laughs> oh no, that's that's just hilarious, but. I mean, it's it's interesting because they have been a huge, quote unquote, they, which is still reflections of myself. Um, mm. They've been a huge part of my journey because a lot of my pain also came from my trials and tribulations with corporate America, with being, yeah. um, you know, arrested, being pulled over probably 200 times in my life before Trayvon went mm. down and it became popular. Like, we, you know, we've been dealing with that forever. So... Um, I, I probably specify it to being fired from five consecutive jobs um, in corporate America and not as a result of doing anything wrong, just being a mm. threat, being an intelligent black man rising to, you know, managerial positions very quickly at everywhere I've been at, being fired, having to go develop a new skill set, come come back, get a job, get great at it. And then I'm a threat. Five straight times this happened to me, bro. You know what I'm saying? And at yeah. a certain point, yeah. that last one that I got fired from, I was doing electrical engineering. Never thought I'd be doing nobody's electrical engineering. I wasn't even good at that, but uh, out of desperation, I was offered the opportunity, became good at it, ran my department. And when I got fired, you know, it was a result of like some lies being said on me from a Karen and a Kurt, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah. in that moment, like I blacked out, like I started screaming and all this type stuff. They were starting to call the cops. It was like some movie stuff. But that pain was what I needed to realize, like, you know what? I got to develop my own. I can't rely on anybody. So low key, even though I may look at it as a Kurt or Karen doing some BS to me, it was the form I needed, um, the form that the universe, source, God, have you perceive it, presented to me to teach me the lesson of financial and energetic independence. I would have remained comfortable had I remained at these jobs. And I made a, may have made a, a nice living and, you know what I mean? But I wouldn't have got to this point in my journey to be able to help free other people. So I needed every one of those Karens and Kurt's. And as a result, and reconciling with those things, and you know, I hated white people at a certain point, getting that hate out my heart. Now my relationships yeah, with quote-unquote white people are beautiful. 
some of my best friends at this point, you know, all the races and my best friend, <laughs> well, you know, some of my best <laughs> friends at this point, my best connections, my greatest resources now are white, Asian, all different colors. So I had to go through that period. I think we do have to go through that period of maybe hatred and not understanding each other. Um, but when you come still, you start to realize, okay, that's why that exists. That's why that happened. That's why they did the fuck shit. It was teaching me this. I mean, yeah, yeah, man, you need experience in order to gain yeah. wisdom. Know what I mean, so that's the way I look at it too. Um, and everything happens for a reason. You know, they they see the greatness within you. You know what I mean? So they got scared. So you that, that abundance that they could have had is all in your future, and it's coming to right. you now too, bro. Yeah. So, know I mean, thank you for your work. But uh, we're going to wrap up. But go ahead, plug plug your stuff, what you got coming up, and then let the people know how they can reach you. Okay, so I could be reached um, social media-wise. You can hit me up, Facebook, Docs Diggler, D-O-X-D-I-G-G-L-A. Same thing on Twitter. I haven't really been on Twitter like that in a few years, but I'm about to release an album, so I'll probably get back to some Twitter. Um, IG, yeah. Brick City Buddha. That's Brick underscore C-I-T-I underscore B-U-D-D-H-A, Brick City Buddha. Um, for meditation, they can also hit me up for my services, one-on-one group sessions, classes at BrickCityBuddha.com. And for my music, for my artist side, they can hit me up at DocsDiggler.com. And, you know, we're doing our, our last piece in the park for the summer, August 30th. Um, we're getting into retreats in our land in Pennsylvania, 26 acres of our own land. We're start, uh, starting our first one August 7th to 9th. Um, and we're just going to continue to crank out, crank out these events. We'll be back in our, our yoga studio probably going from September into October when the weather changes. So we'll still be open to the community. Um, and we have a phenomenal team of practitioners from meditation to yoga to herbalists. Um, but we just continue to crank out these opportunities for the community to connect. So y'all can hit me up and stay abreast with the info through all those different platforms. Bet, bet. And what's the name of the yoga studio too? The creatives, um, our team of creatives, creatives is called Zill Creative Studio. The studio itself is um, 350 Highland Lofts in Orange, New Jersey. Um, so once y'all, you know, hit us up, you can hit Zill Creative Studios also on IG. Um, but yeah, it's an actual yoga studio right in Orange across the street from the train tracks. But we've been uh, building our community um, even before these peace in the parks. I bet, bet. Yeah, people, uh, go ahead, support this brother, support his team. We on the Black-owned yeah. things. We're going to stay yeah. on that for the rest of our lives. They out here doing the work that's needed. And, you know, get in tune with yourself because, honestly, that's what's going to take you to the next level. It don't matter about these jobs. It don't matter about how much money you're making. You have to have peace right. within. So, you know, Brother Docs can definitely help you out, right. man. But I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on to the Education of the People, bro. And, you know, we're we going we gonna to link. Appreciate outside you, and I'm honored to be here, bro. Thank you for the opportunity. Be sure to connect with us on social media. We on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Real Talk Session Series. We love to hear from our supporters. Give us some feedback. Let us know how we doing. You know, some stuff that we can improve on. You know, we all about self-improvement over here. We also have some dope videos dropping soon. Going to have some self-care and quarantine stuff because we know some of y'all out there struggling. And, you know, it's crucial that we have the tools that are needed during these times. Please make sure you share the podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. I ain't going to lie. If you got trash comment, don't put it there. Email me at info at realtalksessionseries.org so we can see how we can make it better because that's the main thing always want to make sure that we're improving in everything that we do and make sure you get that merch please please this is one way that you're able to support us all proceeds from your investment goes towards our efforts of bringing easily accessible education to black communities 
Uh, we're doing our parts. Uh, we're seeing what's going on right now with everything with remote learning. And honestly, it's time for a new way to educate our people. So that's what we're doing. And by you purchasing your merch, you are supporting us in our mission to do that. Also, if you are interested in donating in general, uh, please visit realtalksessionseries.org. We have the option of PayPal. We also got the Cash App too. Dollar sign RTSS movement. You know, share the wealth. Uh, and we're in turn sharing with, with the community. You know, we're not just out here just pocketing shit. Um, also, it helps me with bringing on these amazing people to the team. Um, we're, we got some interns. We're getting some other consultants. So this is helping us to pay for these different services because a brother is not balling. And I've been doing everything out of my pocket, but now it's time to really scale everything up. And I need your assistance because this is a community effort. We are helping everyone that is in need and we are educating people. Thank you for tuning into today's episode with the dope Docs Degla. And as usual, the miseducation of the people is brought to you by the Real Talk Session Series, where all we do is provide real talk only. I right, peace. See you on next episode. Miseducation.